Buongiorno tutti. Buongiorno amici. I have realized that I have failed to introduce myself on the last few episodes, just assuming everyone keeps coming back and remembering me. But for those of you that may be new and chose this episode to start with, my name is Kimberly Holcomb, and I am here with my co-host, Tommaso, who is my podcast producer, as well as my partner in life. Ciao, Belladonna. Ciao, Tommaso. Welcome to Kimberly's Italy. So let's carry on to our next episode, which will start from Tuscany and Valdorcia, particularly down to Roma. Hold on, hold on for a second. Let's what? let's discuss. Before we get that, we thought we would discuss the emails. Oh, correct. Yes. I received several emails this week after our last few episodes on this group trip, my epic road trip that involved two different groups. For those of you new... Two kitten clubs. Two kitten clubs because each group were women. Tom named them kitten clubs months ago and we stuck with it. Kitten club one, <laughs> kitten club two. So since our last few episodes on this epic road trip with kitten club one, I received several emails in the past few weeks with questions like, um, can my husband and I go on your next group trip? And one woman said, can my sister-in-law and I sign up for your next group trip whenever that is? And one gentleman asked, we'd love to go on one of your trips, but what parameters do you put in place so we know that we'd all get along? That was very particular and and a, a good thing to ask. Well, it's a small trip, so there's a chance if people don't get along, it could be somewhat uncomfortable. Exactly. So let me explain exactly how I do these small trips. I love, actually love taking small groups for 10 days or so. And I hope to do about six, maybe seven or eight, six anyway, this coming year, 2022. However, I only take groups of friends or families, people that know each other, because I prefer to stay away from groups of random people that don't know each other because I want to make sure that absolutely every single person thoroughly enjoys every single day of their trip. You may not want to take a family then. Well, that's up to them. Their issues are their issues and I don't (laughs) mind because they're not my family. How's that? That's easy. I don't mind that at all. Okay. But I I just want to make sure everyone enjoys their trip and they might not if they didn't have something in common with other people. So no random group trips here, just people that put everything together. Yeah, I think it's probably kind of hard to... Well, it's much easier to get away from someone if you're on a 24 or 20 person trip or something. Some are up to like 40. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Anyways, a lot of people do enjoy that. They like to meet new people. And maybe if the group trip is that large, they can get away from those people that they don't like. Sure. So, but ours, I stick to small trips of maybe seven. So yes, I would be Happy to take those of you who inquired about a group trip or to any of our listeners, but please just ask your friends and family to join you up to seven people additional to myself, because that way we're we're walking around like a group of friends and we're having dinner at a table together, not split up into five tables, which is 
what they have to do on those large trips. And it's also a lot easier to walk into a place and you asking them in Italian for a table. One, they know you're an American from your accent, but you speak Italian and you've only got seven people or Mm -hmm. six people at a table. It's a much nicer experience. But to um, be particular, Tommaso, I organize and reserve tables at my favorite restaurants before we go. Yeah, yeah, I know. Not normally do I just walk in and hope there's a table for seven. We, no. Well, when just you and I are around. No, no, in Matera we did. We found that wonderful place we went back to twice for lunch. Oh, yeah, that's true. But that was lunch and we sat outside. Okay. A little different. All but right. anyway, on these group trips, man, it is organized. It's detailed. I want everyone to just get the best of everything. So it's quite organized. And my group trips, they're small and therefore they're personal and intimate. So get your friends, families, colleagues, whatever, get in touch with me and andiamo. (laughs) But of course you have to give me a few months notice. It takes a while to organize a group trip. All right, now can we start with our episode? Certo, bella donna, certo. Certo, bravo. My gosh, he's getting good. I think you're secretly learning online courses or you're taking a class with Louisa, I'm watching Louisa's videos on Instagram. Yes, Yes, let's share that. Actually, remember, Louisa, we did a Piccolo Pezzo. I think it was maybe our first Piccolo Pezzo about Louisa, who I take online via Skype uh, conversational classes with just to keep refreshed. She has a fabulous Instagram account that you could follow her on and get in touch if you'd like to learn from her. Her Instagram account name is Italian underscore with underscore Louisa spelled L U J S A. And and while we're while we're pushing Louisa, let's just say if anyone doesn't follow Kimberly's Italy on Instagram, oh. <laughs> please do. You got a shill for yourself at times too here. Okay. Again, we all know social media is not my forte. Mm-hmm. Okay, on to this episode. We left our beautiful villa in Tuscany and decided to drive south through all back roads, secondary roads down toward Rome. So our first destination was the Valdorcha region of Tuscany. It's to the west of where we were staying. And it is that pastoral landscapes, the perfect, beautiful... Bucolic. Bucolic. Thank you very much. We're getting your thesaurus out. <laughs> so that was our first destination. And we stopped where we could to take photos, but they... Don't really have many places to pull over and stop and park, which is probably a good thing. It keeps the landscape so bucolic, so perfect. So we kept driving south through these pastoral hills in the valley, but we knew, (laughs) I knew, I was driving, we needed to get some gas soon. So, of course, out comes the smartphone and, you know, they have show you the location of uh, gas stations that are aperto, open, So, but we passed a few because we just wanted to keep going. And then finally, I was like, all right, we really need to stop. So we saw an, a Jeep spelled A-G-I-P for those of you that will be driving in Italy. That is the equivalent of like mobile, big Italian brand, a Jeep. And let me just give a travel tip. <laughs> My first travel tip, okay? Because this is a lesson learned. I'm sharing this story with you so you don't have to repeat it, suffer through my mistakes. So we had to find the gas. We saw this Ajeep we pulled in and it was self-serve and they had a little ufficho, a little 
booth, you know, not a storefront, but a little office and no one was in it because it was lunch hour. I didn't think of that at all, but you know, it's self-serve. I have credit cards and, and cash and I decided to use a hundred euro bill. Why? I don't know, but I did. I put it in the machine, took the gas pump off. Everything that you read on the pump is in Italian. So this is really why I'm sharing this travel tip with you. You should definitely go to these stores, not uh, to these gas stations, not during the lunch hour when there will be a service attendant there. Because if you don't read Italian, you couldn't figure out what was wrong. So I kept reading it and it said, you know, bill accepted, but then the gas wouldn't pump, nothing was working and no one was there. And then finally, these two camper vans, like the equivalent of small Winnebago's, pulled up and they each got their gas and there were these two older couples. They were really cute. So I walked up to one and said in Italian, excuse me, could you help me? I've put this 100 euro bill in and I can't get it. So the husband comes over, the wife is still pumping gas in Winnebago number one. (laughs) And he's asking me what I did. And I showed him, he's like, I don't know, blah, blah, blah. And then the other husband comes over and then the next, you know, the wives finish pumping their little camper vans with gas And they come over and then it just became this group effort, this family affair. So one of the wives gets her cell phone out and she calls the gas station and we could hear the phone ringing from the little booth in there. And I I was like, "Uh, no, 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 no one's there. She's like, oh, okay. well, let's call Let's call the entire headquarters headquarters of a Jeep. I was like. Really? Oh, you don't have to do that. You know, I'll just wait. I'm sure they'll come back because we did see online that it said hours, you know, aperto all day, but serviced from, you know, 6 a.m. till 1230 and then 2.30 till 10 p.m., something like that, meaning there would be an attendant there. So they were so helpful and friendly, but then they had their little spats, like their little couple's spats, like, no, I'll do it. That's wrong. No, I'll Arms are flailing. It was really funny. And the girls are in the car just watching this whole thing (laughs) take place, transpire. And I thought, well, this isn't your average quick gas fill up. So in the end, those two couples left and we had to wait like an hour and a half for the attendant to come back because I was not leaving without (laughs) getting my hundred euro worth of gas. And the other thing was, there wasn't another gas station close by and right. we were down to like nothing. Hundred euros is about $80. So, right. So I thought I am not, I'm not doing that. So we waited, man finally showed up like clockwork, 2.30. And, you know, he wasn't down the street at, you know, having a bad sandwich. He wasn't at Subway's. <laughs> he went home and had a pasta, a little glass of wine. He came back and he was like, oh, you know, like something annoying the first second I'm back. It's like, hi, we've been here an hour and a half and blah, blah, blah. So in the end, I just did something wrong. I put the money in, the, the pump said it accepted it, but I didn't uh, raise the the pump lever twice and click it, whatever. I, did, I made a mistake. And so there you go. Travel tip number one, try to go to a self-serve gas station when there's a tendon. Don't go during the lunch hour. Okay. In the end, it was funny. We had a nice view. 
The girls are in the car eating pecorino. That <laughs> 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 we didn't have a knife or or bread or anything to go with it. They're just eating chunks of pecorino in their hand and happy as could be. So anyway, we we left and when we saw an entrance to the Autostrada, we took it because we wasted basically an hour and a half sitting in the gas station. So we get on the Autostrada and all was fine. And I just want to say that driving from the calm and serene area of Val d'Orcia in Tuscany and into Rome was like the biggest jolt ever. I'm very used to driving in big city traffic. I'm totally comfortable with it. But this late Friday afternoon arrival was like an amped up version of, let's say, rush hour in Napoli. <laughs> I mean, Napoli is like the only other city that could possibly outdo Rome for driving. Anyway, it was crazy. You went from this relaxed, calm chit chat, you know, the whole drive all of a sudden, whoa, okay, who's in the passenger seat? And is my co-pilot with Google Maps. Right. The Fiat Tipo did not come with its own GPS, but, you know, your phone does as good of a job. And, you know, what's funny is I kept thinking about it while we were doing that and after, like how we got around in the old days with just paper maps. We all did it. Well, you you had a few more unique experiences back then. Yes, true. <laughs> true. But I, actually, I drove a van for a job in Rome it was just the makeup artist and myself. She's in the passenger seat with a paper map. We're trying to find this hotel in Rome where the, we were supposed to meet the client. It was pouring rain. Took us forever. So you're right. It didn't take us as long with Google Map. So Sally, in this case, was in the passenger seat. She was my co-pilot. But keep in mind, I think I mentioned this last episode, it was Halloween weekend. The G20 was there. There were two protests going on. It was mayhem, but in a very invigorating way. Very, very Roman way. <laughs> yes. But the problem is, I mean, we were laughing as we went because you can't keep up with GPS, with your, let's say you were driving by yourself and you had to actually look at GPS or listen to it. You just can't keep up because you come to Piazza and the traffic is at like uber fast speed. There's Vespa's darting in front of you. Lanes lanes are merely suggestions. Yes, exactly. So you can't really keep up. So we went around Piazza several times and just laugh, laugh, laugh. It was funny. It was fine. But it's, um, it's not for the faint of heart. So if you're a little intimidated, just um, have a driver. Okay. <laughs> anyway, so... The reason I wanted to arrive before dark to Rome was because we were staying in an area that is our accommodations is in an area that's a totally car-free zone. So I knew we had to park outside of that zone and take a taxi to our palazzo, which were our accommodations. And I'll get into that later. We had to find this parkejo, that uh, parking lot, underground parking lot that was outside of the car-free zone on the other side of the Tiber. And the manager of our palazzo recommended the easiest one, the best one, a reasonable price. And we found it unbelievably clean, this parking garage, kind of like the south of France, those garages. I don't know how they do it, but you could eat off the floor. They're all painted white. It was great. So we got our luggage, went up the escalator, got out, had to take two taxis, and we were unprepared for the fact it was a Friday early evening, aperitivo hour, 
And these taxis, only taxis and private drivers and delivery trucks. You would hope a small delivery truck, but sometimes large delivery trucks can go in these car-free zones. They aren't meant for cars. So these restaurants actually have all their tables and chairs outside. And it was lovely weather. This is the end of October, well, Halloween weekend, end of October. So we're each in a taxi. And I was in a van taxi. That's just who arrived and picked us up. And I forget who I was with, Charlene maybe. And we started driving down these little roads of this neighborhood that I'll describe in a second. And the people sitting there having an aperitivo didn't even flinch. Well, they pulled their foot in. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe they and scooched their chair in a bit. They didn't even look. They right? just pulled the foot in. They're so used to it. Yeah, you saw it when, because we stayed in the same place on the second trip. Yeah. It was so funny, but that was my first time driving up to this area. So we get out, we get into our palazzo, and it was perfect. However, this is, I should just add that this is my second travel tip of this episode. If you are driving into Rome or any other city in Italy where there's Centro Storico, the historic centers, they're always off limits, just like I described, except for the taxis, cars, etc. So it's impossible as you're driving to see the little circular signs with the red kind of dash on an angle that informs you that's the car-free zone. You can't see that while you're, you know, trying to deal with all the traffic right. like I just described. So the travel tip is if you know you're staying in a car-free zone, find out from your hotel prior to where the closest parkage, where the closest parking lot is and leave it at an underground spot if you can, because it's nice and the price is reasonable compared to like New York. And it's just better because if you chose a, a parking parking lot type thing on the street, you never know what kind of dings and dents you might have when you get back there. So we got to our palazzo, which I'll just describe as this small place that has one floor of an old palazzo in this perfect neighborhood. And we had several rooms that we reserved and there's a common area, beautifully Decorated. Decorated, thank you. Lots of books. Yes. I mean, it felt it, it felt like a living room. Yes, a very stylish living mm-hmm. room. Mm-hmm. So we were thrilled, and there was maybe one other couple, an Italian couple that we met, but it felt very private, and it was just perfect. And for this trip, I only chose, because of COVID and the timing, I only chose small accommodations like this. No hotels with lobbies and bars and restaurants. So... This one for the mayhem of Rome was so absolutely perfect, as is this neighborhood. So let me describe it. This zone, I don't really know what the neighborhood name is, but it's a grid and it's kind of like Manhattan and there's not many grids of streets like this in the rest of Rome. There's some, but this is a pretty large one. And it's bordered by the Tiber River to the west, the Spanish Steps to the east, Piazza del Popolo, which is a large, incredible piazza, at the north below the Borghese Gardens. With the huge obelisk in it. Yes. And to the south is the Trevi Fountain. So if you found yourself at one of these borders, you know that you're kind of getting out of that easy grid. 
And it was easy to find your way back to our little palazzo because, for example, on one corner was that amazing little coffee shop. So you recognize that and you're like, that's our street. Um, And the names are all unique and pretty. But in case you got a little uh, disoriented, it was easy to find your way, just like New York, grids of north and south. But what made this neighborhood so special compared to other cities was the small, distinctive stores. No chains, no... Well, there were a couple high-end shops like Armani and Valentino, but even then they were small in size. Right. Very personal feeling and boutique-ish like. And I think I described, well, I know I described in an earlier episode on Milano, I think, how unbelievably stylish the window displays are in Italy. It was a lot like Soho before it became overwhelmed with chain stores. Correct. Artsy. Yes, unique, personal, unique, personal. I mean, or I should say. Well, a lot of fashion, small cafes, fashion. Right. And that wonderful little store we went into when I was there with the Kitten Club 2, um, which had paper. Fabriano. Fabriano. And, you know, Fabriano was one of the best watercolor paper makers in the world. Mm-hmm. And they make all these other types of books, too. Oh, they sold everything. You you bought my Christmas present this year at Fabriano. Thank you very much. I, I, I did, as a matter of fact. <laughs> Thinking ahead, it wasn't the 23rd of December. Right, right. For a change, it was November. Anyway, these shops were so unique, Like, and some only sold specific things. Like one store sold only women's cashmere, whether it's a scarf or a sweater, jacket, just cashmere. Samantha bought a leather bag in just a corner, teeny, teeny shop, a man's family leather purse business. They only sold purses, no uh, jackets or shoes, just leather purses. And my favorite was this teeny little shop that I went into and bought my mom leather gloves. They only sold gloves. You were fitted for them. Uh, My hands are 10 times larger than my mom's, but they, you know, gave me their best... um, Best guess. Yes. Well, one of the women that worked there, there were only three people and the showroom, quote unquote, was downstairs and you had to go up this teeny spiral staircase to get to the top and choose the color you wanted and the liner of cashmere or whatnot. It was so elegant and such a treat. And I didn't think it was crazy expensive at all. So that kind of, and I'm not a shopper. Anyone that knows me knows I don't like to shop, but this neighborhood, this area really lured me into stores because just like you said, it made me long for the days of Soho when there were unique Well, it was so personal. You know, it was right. so personal. Going in, it wasn't, someone didn't ignore you, first off. Right, <laughs> right. You walk into a lot of stores today, people ignore you. But they tried, went out of their way to recommend things and ask you what you liked. And and it became a really enjoyable experience. Yes. Like buying the paper. Yes. And I even bought one of Tommaso's Christmas presents in Fabriano also. We weren't together, right. obviously. Mm-hmm. And what was it? It was a wonderful ruler in made of 12 different types of wood in millimeters. And handmade. Handmade, beautiful, Stunning. beautiful engraving on it. It mm-hmm. was uh, a ruler to keep for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. So, I will. 
Yes. So even though I'm not a shopper, I really, really loved this area. And the coffee shops, the gelateria. There were two gelaterias opposing each other on this one teeny little street. And the rest of the kittens went into each one each night after dinner and did taste tests. And in the end, they always went to the the one on the north side of the street. Can't remember the name. But this area was just a perfect place to stay and explore the city from there. Because easy, anything you wanted was there, including restaurants. So that night, after a quick walk around of this neighborhood... Our very first night, we went to the restaurant that the manager of our hotel recommended. And I thought, like, without saying to them, I was like, all right, for this first night, we'll just go there because it's right down the street. It's like a three-minute walk if that's just going to be easy. We don't have to take a taxi. We don't have to get lost. We've been traveling all day. We'll just go. It turned out to be my favorite restaurant of the entire trip, the entire, like, month I was there, that was my favorite restaurant in terms of being able to, well, we befriended the waiters and the family that owned it in about 20 minutes. I don't know why. They're just that friendly and personable. And in the four days I was in Rome the first time, we ate there, I think, three times. (laughs) And I remember texting you, you were still in the States, and I said, oh, we just went back to the same restaurant. So good. And Tom said, why? There are a thousand amazing restaurants in Rome. I was like, you'll understand. (laughs) So indeed, we went there twice when -hmm. you were there. Mm -hmm. I did. I understood. (laughs) Really, really delicious. So after our first outstanding meal in Rome, we decided to walk around a little bit and we went to the Spanish Steps, which they no longer allow people to sit and hang out because they did day and night. They just hung out. They blocked the way and they left their trash. Exactly. So that's the new rule in place and everyone has abided by it. You're sure. Well, they're, they're standing there. Well, not at like midnight. Not at midnight. No. So that's during the day. Right. So we walked up around 1130 or so. And as we were walking to the top, we passed a couple and the man, this young Italian man was proposing to his girlfriend down on one knee on a step with a ring. And we're thinking, Oh, was that set up just for us? Until she <laughs> for, said no. No, she's oh, she was crying. <laughs> it was so cute. I took a picture of them. Oh, it was nice. super cute. So from the top of the Spanish steps, you have the big cathedral behind you and the convent, and you're overlooking the city. You can see St. Peter's, and there was no one out. It was, you know, Halloween weekend, but in that area, the the rest of the city was busy with everything going on, but... It was so calm and peaceful and beautiful. And then you kind of grasped the age of the city. And what is so perfect about Rome is they do the opposite of what we do in America. In the United States, in in downtown Manhattan or Chicago, wherever, they light all the skyscrapers from within. Right. So they're glowing and spending a lot of electricity unnecessarily, I think. In Rome and in all of Italy, they light their historic buildings from outside. They are showing off their architecture and its age. So when you're standing or just walking around Rome, but 
especially standing in a place that's elevated and you can see the forum, you can see the Pantheon, you can see, well, not from that high, the Trevi Fountain, but St. Peter's from the St. Peter's. And we just thought, Oh, can't wait for tomorrow. So it was the perfect first evening in Rome. And to be honest, I love Rome and I always have. I love Paris. I love a lot of cities, but I've always loved Rome. And to show it to people for the first time. And watch so their en- jaws drop. Yes, it's so enriching. It just makes you more excited, almost like your first time. Yep. Uh, not yours, but anyone, like my first time. Sure. So it's a it's a beautiful city. I just want to say one thing about the Spanish steps too. It's made it more difficult uh, the new, new, new rule has made it more difficult for the quote-unquote influencers who were mobbing Spanish <laughs> steps. Well, you know, they're doing like 20 takes with their cell phones and dances and poses. Well, it's made it a little harder for them a little to, harder. To, to, to do their thing, which is good because it's there's, a good thing because there's a few too many of them. Right. We actually saw an influencer uh, on your trip. You were not with us, but we went early one morning to yep. the Pantheon yep. thinking we could get in at like 7 a.m. Uh, bad information, but that's all right. It was worth it. And we walked by the Trevi Fountain in the morning and there was a woman doing yoga moves in front of the Trevi <laughs> Fountain in a teeny weeny yoga outfit that was too teeny for her, I will add. And her partner, her friend, had a tripod and was filming the whole thing. And we just thought, yoga in front of the Trevi Fountain that you're just going to put on Instagram? It made us sad, but we're not young and influencer influenced. Yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Anyway, don't let that stop you from going to Rome. Influencers are everywhere. Whatever. Let's let's, uh, carry on and say that our next episode will be on the next few days we had in Rome, which included a three-hour Vespa tour that Sally Ann and Samantha took. And man, you should have seen their faces when I met them back at the drop-off spot. And I'll go into detail about that in our next episode. With that, I should say, Allora. (laughs) Allora. Thank you very much for tuning in. And I want to point out that uh, Tommaso, my tech guru here, podcast producer, told me this week that we had so many more downloads from all over the world. Yes. So for those of you that are sharing our podcast with your friends. Thank you very, very much. Grazie mille. Grazie mille. It's fun. He's kind of addicted to the um, download app. No. Stats. Stats. Yes. Well, we, you know, you like to see what you're doing is working. Yep. And it's doing great. It's so, so, grazie, grazie. Grazie. Okay. Tutti, ci sentiamo alla settimana prossima. Speak to you next week. Ciao, ciao. Ciao, ciao.